Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Well, welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Todd Atkins. How's it going? Oh, no, what? I know. I'm, I'm getting old, man. Trying to look all professional with our guests here. professional right? today. <laughs> I'm in the prayer room of Fairview Baptist Church with, I think, Amazing Grace behind me or something. So I, I'm go. looking the part. I'm wearing a collared shirt and everything. <laughs> Love it. Well, hey, our guest today is Jonathan Evans, and we're so excited to have him on. He is a pastor, speaker, mentor, and author. He serves on the pastoral staff at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. His latest book just came out, which is titled Your Time Is Now. Jonathan, how you doing today? And I'm doing good. Chandler, Todd, how you guys doing? You good, doing good? Doing pretty I'm good. doing well. It's unseasonably cool for a July, a mid-July afternoon. Uh, Definitely. In the greater Nashville area. Um, so I'm pleased. Great. Good to be here. Probably not often that Jonathan gets to say that about Dallas, you know. <laughs> not, not often at all. I'm happy for you, though. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, just just as we said, you know, you just came out with your book, Your Time Is Now, and we, you know, shared a little bit that you're serving uh, on the pastoral staff at Oak Cliff. But on top of that, you also do many other things outside of that. So just share with us a little bit about maybe all of those different experiences and why you wrote the book, Your Time Is Now. Well, yeah, definitely. So I do uh, work with my dad, uh, friend, uh, father, um, you know, at the church, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, working with men's ministry and uh, young adults and kind of everything else. It's kind of that pastor's son, do what I say thing. <laughs> and so I get caught up in many different areas, but also serve as the chaplain uh, for the Dallas Cowboys and co-chaplain for the Dallas Mavericks, which is a love for me because of my uh, sports background. And then, you know, uh, with, with those other ministry things that I don't want to go too far into that, because there's a lot of things, but uh, my main ministry is my wife and five children. And so when I say five children, pray for me. Yes, it's 12 to two. So I'm in the uh, middle of the woods with no navigation, just trying to figure it out. But we're working on that. And um, so there's a lot to, to carry and a lot of uh, leadership opportunity that I want to steward well. And, um, you know, it's a journey still trying to figure it all out, but doing the best that I can. That's awesome. Now, with all of that, you just, like we said, came out with Your Time Is Now. Can you just share a little bit about that book and why you wrote it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's important for for me to realize and people to get the spillover of, of what I'm realizing in my life is that God will use your greatest misery for your greatest ministry. And so a lot of people want to discount the journey for the goal, not realizing that the journey it makes you ready for the goal uh, when it comes, that the pit makes you ready for the palace and that being the understudy of Moses and being in the valley and being spying out the land makes you ready for your now moment in the book of Joshua. I mean, there's all of these uh, people in the Bible who um, were very unlikely to be called and came from unlikely circumstances that were the most likely for what God wanted to do. And so I wanted to really use this as a catalytic book um, to get what God has given you. You know, he simply says that everywhere your foot treads, I have given it to you. But if your foot doesn't tread on it, that means you ain't going to get it. So God gives, but, um, and he's, he's given us every spiritual gift in heavenly places, Ephesians 1 says, um, and it's available to us, but we have to be positioned, we have to be poised, um, and we have to be, um, you know, passionate about seeking ye first his kingdom and allow those things that are there to be added unto us. And so I wanted to really encourage myself, uh, really, 
through my story and my life and really removing the doubt and the fear so that I can move forward and allow people to get all the spillover and overflow from what God is teaching me in my own life. And I really feel like it'll be helpful. Okay. So help us balance, you know, for some of our listeners, some of the, the things you uh, said may have made their, their ears perk up and they're thinking, Oh, is this like a prosperity gospel? Is this like a health and wealth thing? So can you, um, we didn't, I don't know if we mentioned, but your dad is Tony Evans. So you're pretty well grounded. You're a pretty well grounded <laughs> individual. Um, can you just, uh, can you share a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about, uh, the book from that aspect of, Hey, you know, understanding this is not, this isn't what you think it is when you hear something like your time is now, you know, you, yeah, reach up so, and grab for it. Uh, you've already talked about suffering. Um, yeah, absolutely. But break that down no, for us. Absolutely. Bit. This is about the grind. Um, this is not about just, uh, you know, name it and claim it and those types of things or prosperity. You can just reach for it and it'll be there. You can grab it. No, this is about the grind. This is about showing you, um, you know, all of the nuances through scripture of these people who had to grind it out and helping you through that grind, knowing that, um, that grind is a part of your game and never to give up. We got so many pastors given up, so many uh, leaders given up, so many fathers given up, so many wives given up, um, so many people who are given up in all of these pandemics, not realizing that that is a part of what God is using to craft a purpose. And so really it's not about just saying, hey, if you jump high enough, you can catch it or get it, or you can just go to this tree and pick the fruit off of it. And the best, the one that tastes good is probably your purpose. Um, this is really designed um, to help people with the grind better position themselves with the right biblical perspective so that they can continue for the advancement of God's kingdom. And so we want to make sure that you come out of the huddle of this book ready to execute a play, but knowing that if there's a play that has to be executed, there's definitely a defense that's going to be there to try to stop you. And so I wanted to make sure that I gave that same encouragement that God was giving me, uh, but also uh, filtering Todd and, and Chandler through the doubt and the fear, you know, that's one of the things being Tony Evans' son that I struggle with is doubt and fear. When you're looking at that and you're having that as kind of the um, picture um, that you're looking at to, to fulfill your own puzzle, um, it really can create some fear where I was even saying to myself the same thing that Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And a lot of leaders and a lot of people deal with that doubt and fear. And uh, I wanted to deal with that as well in this book. So it's, it's much different than uh, what the title may, may make you perceive. Um, it really gets into the weeds in the woods and, and the grind of, of what it takes to be well positioned for God to continue uh, to use you as long as you continue to position yourself to be used. Okay. Last question for me before we get into our real questions. I'm so sorry, Chandler. That is um, when I look at this book, it's really unique in that there is like a three part movie that kind of comes with the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a movie in the book. There's a soundtrack that comes with the book. Look, I'm not, one of the things that I don't do is just jump into moles and just do it because everybody else is doing it. I wanted to create an experience um, with the book. So, um, so I wanted you, you know, everybody's not a, a literary learner. Some people are visual learners. Right. Um, some people learn through music. You know, I wanted to make sure I gave a full experience. So every three chapter of movie starts in, and continues through the book. And then at the end of the book, you can download a free um, um, soundtrack that really is my sermons. I had a, um, 
a, a Grammy award-winning producer produce like three minute excerpts from my sermons to really, really encourage you while you work out or while you're riding in your car for what you're having to do that day. Um, so I just wanted to give a full experience. Very cool. Well, let's hop into the five questions here. We could probably follow up on those alone just about the book, but let's hop into here. The first question is, Jonathan, who are you currently learning from? Yeah, well, definitely. Well, obviously in my life, um, you know, my dad and my mom have been pillars um, in teaching me, you know, how to be a man, how to be a father, um, how to be a dad, um, just how to be uh, the man that God has called me to be. So I think that's important. But I also have other friends in my life that have really come alongside to help me. Brian Carter, who's the pastor of Concord Church in Dallas. Conway Edwards, who's the church of one, who's the pastor of one church in Allen, um, Texas. Robert Morris, who's the pastor of Gateway Church, um, who's like a father to many pastors. But I've, I've, he's been gracious enough to spend some time with me to teach me things uh, that he knows um, in building what he's been able to build as a, as a leader and, and, and senior pastor. Um, of his church. And so I've got um, great uh, encouragement from great men, starting with my father, but other men that I've sought um, on my own. You know, I don't sit around. I, you know, I've gotten to a place in my life where I go get these guys and say, hey, are you willing to sit with me from time to time? And that's what's really helped gird me up to keep going. You know, one of the things you mentioned even earlier, and I love that you shared that your your dad is somebody who you're learning from. But like you said, you it's tough growing up um, underneath the shadow of your dad and trying to figure out, hey, what is what is my specific calling? I know who my dad is, and it could be easy for somebody just to go, well, Jonathan's going to do exactly what his dad did, and or he's going to lead in the same way, he's going to preach in the same way. I mean, and as you're going and learning from him, that could easily become, I'm just going to do what he did. So how was that as you're learning from him? And I love that you've also brought in others as well, and you've sought them out. It's not just... Uh, just letting it come by. How how did you manage that learning and even wrestling with what is my specific calling and not just because I'm going to do what my dad did? And, you know, just as Todd, he's a pastor's kid as well. I, and I know we've interviewed many pastor's kids or missionaries' kids. It's easy to just look and people sometimes assume that's what you're going to do or you're going to be just like them. How did you wrestle with that and even in the learning of it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I still wrestle with it because... It is, it, it is a, what we say in our family, it is a beast, okay? It's something that is all-encompassing. It's something that's, that looms so large. Tony Evans is not, you know, he's kind of got a, a nice size ministry here, you know? So it's kind of this thing that you grow up in and looms very large. And so you can easily, and I find myself easily struggling with who I am inside of what this is because I know that there's some things that, that I'm, that really fit me really well and I can jump into, but know some things are a struggle or some things I feel like, why do we do it this way? And so in all of that, I'm able to, to try to figure out who I am, but it's always a struggle. And it also brings some doubts. Am I even doing it the right way? Will this even succeed? Because what succeeded for my father is something totally different. And so I can't just say that, well, this is what I've learned, even though I have learned some things. I have to say this is what I'm continuing to learn uh, because it's such a big ministry and my father has such a such a reach and I'm, I'm grateful for it and glad to be a part of it. But figuring out who you are inside of that can be very tough. It can be very tough. It can be the easiest thing in the world to lay down and say, well, I'll just do simply what I'm told 
even though I feel like this is a shoe that doesn't fit because it worked for him. So I'll just kind of step in and kind of just float around to try to manage what already exists. But that's not what Joshua was called to do. Uh, Moses and Joshua were called to lead the people to the land, to the promised land, but Joshua would have to be the warrior. If Moses and Joshua flipped, things would be a problem because Moses could not fight his way into the land the way Joshua did. I mean, it's, so it's the same game plan, but God used two men in two different ways. And so I've had to look at that to remind myself that the way God is going to use me to lead may be different, but I can still use some of those key things that Joshua still used, uh, what he learned as an understudy of Moses uh, to really fight his battles in the future. So it, it kind of is a both and. Um, and I have to be careful not to compare because comparison is a killer of a purpose. Um, you know, we do the Instagram thing, you know, people, you know, people only Instagram their highlights, but people look at those highlights to try to determine what they need to be doing. And they don't even realize what's behind the post. And so I think that, um, for me, I've had to get out of the comparison game. And my mom simply told me this. She said, um, she said, what size shoe does your dad wear? I said, 10 and a half. She said, what size shoe do you wear? I said, 13. She said, see, you get crushed trying to put on his shoes. Mm. And, um, and once she told me that it kind of gave me a sense of freedom to respect and honor, um, and, and, but at the same time, recognize you are totally different and allow God to use you the way that he made you. Talk a little bit more um, uh, about your mother's influence on your leadership. I know from interacting with your different people in your family over the years that, that I know she was a, <laughs> she was a, a heavy influence in all of your lives. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. I think that from my father, I got, and I'm using this to answer that question, but I think from what my father, I've got um, some ability, um, some, some, um, some thoughts and how to craft things, how to put things, how to say things, some giftedness in speaking, um, so, uh, loyalty. He's very loyal. Uh, and so am I. Um, patience. That's something that I'm learning from him that he has much better than I do. So I'm learning that from him, but my confidence to overcome my own fear and doubt comes from my mother. Okay. And so while I've gotten some, some tangible things that I can reach and touch from my father, I've got some intangible things that keep me going from my mother. Okay. And so she's the one who would always say, boy, you're as, you're as smart as a whip. You, you don't even realize how smart you are because every time you, every time you start talking, even though you've had difficulty, I had difficulty in school. I had difficulty learning. So she was the reminder of how smart I am in a different way. And she would press that different way. Okay. So while telling me not to compare myself to my dad, she would press the differences and always show me how smart it is. Okay. And then she would always say, um, you know, Jonathan, the way God is going to use you, you have to be confident in who he's created you to be. And you have to be okay and have courage that your calling is going to be totally different. And I mean, she was just that constant bear <laughs> of, of a voice uh, in our family that gave me the confidence that my sheer ability doesn't give me by itself. Hmm. And so uh, my mom um, is really who I continue to lean on, even though she's not here physically. I hear her voice in my, my mind all the time. Um, it's almost slapping my wrist. 
don't you go there. Don't you do that. <laughs> you know, you go here, you go there because God is going to use you um, in a totally different way. And it's just going to be just as dynamic. Just let him lead. Don't try to force a square peg into a round hole. And, and, and because she knows I'm my dad's son and because she knows I'm a speaker, my brother didn't have, my brother was a singer. So it's a totally different, he's gone. He's, but I'm a speaker kind of doing similar things. And she always is like, you don't force that square into a round. Let God go ahead and take you where he's going to take you and be okay with where you wind up because it's your purpose and your purpose may be different than your dad's purpose and will be. Jesus' final charge to his disciples was to go and make disciples of all nations. And yet, many Christians today struggle to understand what this means for them. And many churches find it difficult to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the past 15 years, our friends at Downline Ministries have partnered with local churches by equipping men and women to know God's word and make disciples in the context of their homes, their churches, and their communities. They do this through the Downline Institute, a nine-month training program where students are taught Genesis through Revelation, biblical manhood and womanhood, and practical discipleship training. If you long for a greater knowledge of God's Word, a clear vision for making disciples, and the strengthening of biblical discipleship in your church, check out the Downline Institute's in-person and virtual training options. Downline is offering our listeners $100 off of the tuition cost. Just use the code LIFEWAY when you apply at downlineministries.com. Well, um, let's get back to uh, your leadership right now. What, what's the main emphasis of your leadership? Like, what, what are you focused on? Yeah, so I'm focused on many things. I've got to, I'm honing that in. I think one of the most valuable things a leader can do is be honed in and focused on what that is. Um, but I, I, like, again, my responsibility is to teach um, and disciple people. I want people to be known, loved, valued, spiritually developed so they can be commissioned. Uh, those are my five things. And so uh, my job is to, to feed the sheep, to feed and lead as I've been learning from uh, Robert Morris's book, A Blessed Church, that I've been um, kind of reading. And I want um, people uh, under my leadership to feel like they're learning, growing, being discipled, and um, being able to accomplish what God wants them to accomplish as well um, in their life. And so I'm over young adults. I want that to, to happen, even though we kind of got knocked out uh, by COVID and we're trying to have a rebuild over the men's ministry. Um, really teaching and, and, and helping men see themselves um, as the leaders in their home, as the leaders in their community, having a relationship with God and doing the same thing with the Cowboys. And so my, my whole goal is ticketing terminal takeoff in those three steps. Ticketing is just getting you, it's evangelism. It's bringing you in uh, to the family of Abraham. I mean, it's doing these different creative things to, to bring men and, and young adults in the community. Terminal is to get you closer and more intimate relationship. That's discipleship. That's the place where you prepare to take off and take off is we know all of this works if you're on the plane and you're serving God's purposes with your unique gift skills um, and experiences and passions that God has given you. And so that's kind of my formula that I use for every area. And what I want to see come out of it is people known, loved, and valued, spiritually developed so they can be commissioned. Your, your goal, my goal is not to keep you with me. My goal is to send you off. And so um, I'm just excited to be able to lead that way. Mm. I love that. Ticketing, 
terminal and takeoff. Yeah, I travel a lot, so <laughs> it, it was it, it was easy for me to use that um, because that's what you have to do. I mean, if you're going, you can't fly somewhere and have a ticket but never show up to a terminal. Um, and so you got to go through that. Just process. sit in the airport one day, and you're like, "That's it. Those are the three. That's it. <laughs> that's great. That's it. Keep it simple." Well, for you personally, um, what are two or three things that you must do daily that benefit your life and your leadership? Yeah. So first of all, one of the things that I do uh, as far as a pattern um, uh, is is to be in God's presence. I know that sounds super spiritual, but I literally walk with God. And, um, and that's where I get my time to, to come up with those, um, ideas, um, to hear from God, to try to see what he's telling me to try to get a word from him to lead with him. So what I literally do is get up in the morning, 7 AM and I leave, I open up my garage, close the garage. Nobody kind of knows I'm up. I grab my Bible and I start walking around the neighborhood and just praying, um, resting in him, trusting him, thanking him. And then I pick a book of the Bible uh, each month and read through it a couple of times um, just to see what's new. What, what do I need to grab out of it? What are you teaching me? So it's a, it's a personal time of, of that, I, that I have to have. So that, that's a pattern in his presence that I would encourage um, every, every person, every leader to, to do. And then the other thing that I'm, that I'm learning, this is something that I'm learning that I think is a great point of emphasis is rest. And uh, we talked about that a little bit before we even started this uh, podcast, but I think um, we, we find value in our work, but we don't realize our power is in our rest. As an athlete, um, you know, if I worked out all the time, I would get worse eventually. Uh, that rest is just as important as your workout because rest helps you recover so you can be restored. Um, and a lot of leaders, uh, believe it or not, a lot of leaders are entrepreneurs. They are uh, dreamers and visionaries. Um, they're ones that are not afraid to take the risk um, and to go further than most people are willing to go. They're catalytic. They want to pull people and help people see it so that we can be it. Um, but if you are exhausted um, then you'll become an enemy of your own vision. And I think that it's important for uh, leaders, pastors, associates, pastors, wives, whoever you are, um, to, to spend time in God's presence, but also to make sure um, you're getting rest from all of the work because eventually things will get worse. Eventually things will start crumbling. Eventually you'll, be, um, you'll, you'll start to get toppled over in your own exhaustion. And it's because we're not being obedient. If you look at the 10 commandments, number four is, um, you know, you know, the Sabbath and, you know, we won't kill anybody. We take that seriously. We won't steal anything. Um, we don't want to do idolatry. That's bad. You know, we look at all of the, you know, I don't want to bear false witness. That's terrible. So we look at all of those and we're like, yeah, I agree. But that Sabbath, we run, we run over that all the time. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't take it as seriously and I don't take it as seriously. And so I think if you want to be a great leader, a lot of people, and what I'm learning, because I'm still learning how to be a great leader, is that, that, um, that time in his presence and learning how to rest um, and let God be the true leader of the scenario um, is really where things blossom. So what's the connection between rest and understanding 
who God's created you to be. Because if I look at your story, I know that, you know, you kind of felt your yourself um, leading by kind of cruise control. And a lot of leaders, whether they want to admit it or not, at least have seasons of this. Some have definitely had a season of this with COVID. Um, so is there a connection between rest and understanding who God's created you to be? Because, you know, you hear the, the title, your time is now, and it sounds like go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Um, burn it down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so what's the connection there? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's important because the the go, go, go without the rest means you're going to stop, stop, stop. So I, I, I think that it's an important um, to make the connection. You know, I'm looking at um, doing a message uh, on Elijah. There are many threats in ministry and Elijah was threatened by Jezebel and he ran for his life. Um, and And then he found himself in a cave wanting to take his own life. Now, how does a prophet of God in chapter 19 of 1 Kings want to take his own life? In chapter 18 of 1 Kings, he just saw God rain down fire on an altar to defeat the Baal, uh, the prophets of Baal. It's because he was exhausted. That literally the angel of the Lord came to him and said, eat and drink. Like this is, this is your solution in order to have victory over something you've already had victory of. You already had victory over Jezebel. It's a false threat. But because she made the threat, what, what, watch what he did ran to save his own life in chapter 19. Okay. But those who try to save their life are going to lose it. And those who lose their life, in other words, let go. They're the ones who find it. And here we are as leaders. A lot of times we are gritting our teeth, trying to force things. Like I said, put a, put a a square peg in a round hole and we're, we're frustrated. We're totally exhausted. We find ourselves in caves of depression and anxiety um, while having these ministries that look like they're functional and look like they're um, on top of the world. But at the same time, we're in a cave, you know? And, and so a lot of leaders spend, spend time dealing with that cave depression. And it's simply because while they're feeding everybody else, they don't eat and drink themselves. Mm. And if you don't eat and drink yourself, I mean, uh, Elijah was having everybody else eat and drink, you know, and, and he was setting things up for everybody else. But then here he is in a cave, even while experiencing the power of God, the chapter before, because he was totally exhausted. And so I think that there's a place for eating and drinking the bread of life for walking with God, for resting, for pulling back and being a great leader who trusts the people that they hire and trust the people that they put in place and trust those committees and those teams to say, you know what, guys, here's the vision. Here's what God is doing. And and I'm going to empower you to do it. I'm going to not be hands on. I'm not going to be hands off. I'm just going to be hands in. I'm going to, I'm going to empower you um, to do this because if I try to do it all myself, I'm going to be totally exhausted and I, I don't want to be in that cave while being a prophet of God, you know, as, a, as in Elijah's case. I just, yeah, even just hearing you say that, I just, I think a lot of, if, if you're a pastor or church leader listening to this, like you resonate with that exhausted feeling. And just as Todd was sharing a little bit, this season, it was a difficult season. And I know that churches are starting to, to get back to before COVID, but I, I've just talked to so many pastors who are tired and exhausted and you may be in a cave right now. And just as Jonathan was saying, like, it's time to rest. It's time to, to press into the Lord. But Jonathan, what are some ways, because you're, you're, you know, even before we were talking, you were talking about how you're trying to, to really understand what this is and how to rest. What are two to three things practically 
that you are doing in your life that you would want to share with somebody who's in that type of season? Okay. One of those uh, things that I do that I kind of mentioned up front is that I had to create a pattern for myself. And for me, it was getting up early and just walking with God. For you, that pattern may be um, something different, but it needs to be scheduled. It needs to be, uh, you know, when I worked out in the NFL, um, we worked out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. They scheduled off on Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday during the off season. If that's not scheduled, because I am a football player, I'm naturally going to work out. I mean, that's what we do. We actually feel bad if we're not working out. We actually feel like there's a problem. Um, if I'm not hitting the weights or if I'm not running, I must be wasting away. And they would schedule those times um, so that they had the time to actually recover. It's rest, recover, and restore was the goal for every NFL player so that they can come out and be high impact. You cannot be high impact when you're high fatigue. So it's important to, to schedule those times and schedule those patterns um, in your life. Another thing that I do that I think is important is to totally get away. I, um, I, I schedule, and this is what I do with my family, I schedule um, date nights with my wife. They need to be on the schedule. They, they need to be something that you do, that you plan to do, and that's not, it's not haphazard. First of all, she needs to feel love and feels like she is a priority. Your kids need to feel love and feel like they're a priority because as a pastor's son, I can tell you now that if you don't take, that if you don't prioritize your family, they will know that they're not a priority. And that's why a lot of pre-PK kids go left is because the ministry was more important than them and they can feel it. And so um, being able to do that. The third thing um, is what I talked about just before is the question you have to ask, do you trust your staff? And if you are a micromanager, it may be your personality, but what you're saying to your staff is, is I kind of got to do it myself um, and I really don't trust you. And so do you trust the people that God has put around you to get the job done? And if you trust the people to get the job done in God's sovereignty that brought those people around you, um, then you can do um, what Jacobed did with Moses and put him in the Nile. In other words, it, it was something that she wanted to see mature. It's something that she wanted to see grow. It's something that she wanted to see um, reach his full potential and capacity, just like you do your ministry. But it couldn't reach the full capacity and potential in the hands of Jacobed. Jacobed realized in order for this thing to mature, I got to let it go. So, so there's, there, there's a realization that pastors have to understand um, that God will allow those Pharaoh type situations, those hard times and trials, because he needs you to let go. Um, and we fear so much. It's the word actually says in Exodus chapter two, that Moses's mother, when she could not hold him any longer, in other words, she tried her best but you couldn't hold it anymore. And when you experience that frustration, it's because you're stepping into God territory. When you're exacerbated and you're, you're just racking your mind, trying to figure out, man, how do I fix this? How do I, it may be God prying it out of your hands and saying, well, you can't, that's why you're so frustrated. You need to let go. And so I think that the time with Christ, scheduling that time with, to walk with God, scheduling time with your family and not, it may not be that they know that they're on the schedule because they may not like that. It may be that you know that you're doing it this way because you want to make sure that they are prior prioritized and they know that that's something I'm working on constantly because I have to catch these years between 12 and two when my kids are young. But then also those times where I have to trust that 
sometimes the greater benefit is not going to be me holding it in my hands. Maybe the greater benefit is going to be, be me putting it in the Nile. And so those are the three practical things that may have to be worked out in different ways. There's too many situations may have to be worked out in different ways, but that's, that's a lot of trusting God in that, that a lot of men and people and women and, and kids and uh, teens, we just don't do, you know, and we need to do it. You know, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, you just gave us a perfect segue into asking you what, what leadership in your home looks like. How does that live down? Yeah. So, um, I appreciate that question. I think that the main thing that I try to do, which is an everyday thing, it's a pattern for our family for the most part is lead from the table. It's something that I learned from my dad. Um, Psalm 128, um, your wife will be a fruitful vine in your home, your children like olive plants around your table. Um, Olive plants take 15 years to become olive trees, but once they become olive trees, they can pump olives for 2000 years. There's still olive trees in the garden of Gethsemane there when Jesus prayed. And the reason why is because the roots run deep. And it says that they will be like olive plants around your table. A Jewish father would not use a table just for uh, eating. He would use it for leading. So my father would ask my mom to cook for two reasons. Number one, he couldn't cook. And number two, he couldn't cook. So, but he would use that. He would use that as a way to get us around the table. And he would always open up his Bible, teach us the word, have us read a verse, tell us, tell him what we thought it meant. I mean, he just would pry into our lives. Him and my mom would talk about their experiences, what not to do, what to do. They're always going to be there for us. They love us. I mean, I'm talking about just pouring every single night at the dinner table. So what we do in these days is I turn all the screens off, all the tablets get put up, every distraction gets put away, the dinner hits the table, everybody sits down, I have one of my kids pray, and I pry into their lives, I teach them, I open up the word, they're young enough to where it's only one verse, it only takes five minutes, but I give them the best that I can give them, and I just do it on a daily basis. And if a father and mother are there, or if you're a single parent, if you're there, with your kids for an hour to an hour and a half, you can lead them by just having dinner. And that would be the most practical thing that I could tell you to do. That's really, that's really helpful. Last question here. If you could go back and talk to your 20 year old self about leadership, what would you tell them? Start now. Uh, I would say that um, you do feel like you are not prepared. And now that I'm leading later, I still feel unprepared. I'm just doing it now that it's time for me to do it, but it was been time for me to do it. You know, David was anointed King around 15 years old. I mean, he was doing what he was called to do where he was planted and God leveled him up from there. He became a a leader of people. He was a leader of sheep because God always used your past experiences for your current purpose. And so I think that one of the things that I would have told myself is don't use your flaws to determine whether you're able to be used by God that God will actually use those things, turn those things around and better those things and mature those things as you say yes to him. So I would have just told myself earlier on, just go ahead and say yes. No, you're not ready. No, it doesn't feel good. No, yes, you have a lot to learn. You know, still no excuse. Say yes, let God teach you and get going. In other words, your time is now. (laughs) 
<laughs> it all comes full circle. Nice job, all comes nice full circle. Well, Jonathan, man, thanks for spending some time with us today and walking through the five leadership questions. And thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review so other leaders like yourself can find the podcast. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.